We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Last Married Couple in America, or The Last Married Couple in America, on February 8th, 1980. It was written by John Herman Shainer, directed by Gilbert Cates, and released by Universal Pictures. Um, the movie is considered a 1980s update of the earlier Paul Mazursky comedy Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, which also starred uh, Natalie Wood. Mm -hmm. And I think someone said that it's basically like them 10 years later or 20 years later. I think Natalie Wood said that. Oh, did she? <laughs> I think that, that's what she, she, she said. Oh, it's basically like that other movie. Yeah, but it's like a sequel to that movie, but I'm the only person who came back. Um, this was Natalie Wood's final film role. She had one film after this that she didn't quite finish filming. So right. this is the last one that they completed the film. But um, she did work some of the movie Brainstorm, which was eventually released in 1983, but it, her her part of that film was incomplete. So um, what did they do for that film? Do you know? I don't know. So we'll have to cover that when we get to it. But um, she died age 43 on a weekend boat trip to Catalina with husband Robert Wagner and Brainstorm co-star Christopher Walken. Um, Peter Bogdanovich has directed a biographical movie on her life called the mystery of natalie wood which details her at times troubled relationship with husband robert wagner uh wagner routinely voiced concerns about the attention she received from male co-stars and he announced he would divorce her during the filming of west side story after Wait, when she was when, in it by the way when was west side story uh like 60s I, late 60s yeah. wait so he did he said he was going to divorce her in the late 60s and then it wasn't until but no, maybe. they did divorce. Oh, wait. Why, why was she on a boat with her ex-husband? Because they were remarried. Oh, man. <laughs> this, is, this is the golden era of Hollywood. Everyone remarried. So, uh, yeah. After a brief marriage to screenwriter Richard Gregson, Natalie Wood was again divorced and remarried Wagner nine years before her death. Uh, the investigation of her death was reopened in 2011 when Dennis Davern, the captain of Wagner and Wood's boat, The Splendor, which I'm assuming is named after Splendor in the Grass, a film she was in, but Splendor is spelled differently, doesn't matter. Uh, he admitted to the police that he had lied during the original investigation. Uh, Walken's story has always been that he was asleep during whatever happened, and Wagner had testified basically the same, that he had gone to sleep alone. Um, but Davern told police originally that he didn't hear anything suspicious, but then he changed his story in 2011 to reflect overhearing a loud fight between Wagner and Wood that night. He also testified that Wood had been flirting with Walken all night. This was a, just a boat full of people with W's in their last names. <laughs> um, and uh, so Wagner was enraged by her constantly flirting with him, and eventually it bubbled up into a fight. Um, when her body was discovered, they found uh, a pretty high alcohol content and motion sickness medication, which is normal for a boat, but they affect each other. Those medication and alcohol mm -hmm. shouldn't be taken together. Um, and the official story from the beginning was that um, a dinghy had come loose from the boat and she was trying to secure it and fell overboard. Um, but she also had bruises on her body and arms and an abrasion on her left cheek, which were probably there before she drowned. So did what? So officially she, she died of drowning? Yes. The cause of death um, in the original coroner's report was that it was accidental drowning, 
but um, as recently as the 2011 update of the investigation, it was changed to drowning and other undetermined factors. So they don't think that it was drowning alone that caused her death. Right. But she probably drowned because of the mix of alcohol and the yes. medication. Assuming she was conscious when she went into the water, oh, that right. would well, be the case. She, she was also known for not being a very strong swimmer. Yeah, she had a terrible fear of water. And her sister, who played um, Plenty O'Toole in which James Bond movie was that? One of the Roger Moore ones, the one in Vegas? Uh, that's, uh... Where he drives the Moonlander? <laughs> uh, the, the, the one in Vegas is actually, uh, Sean Connery. Is it? Yeah. With Willard White. Uh, that is Diamonds Are Forever. Was it Diamonds Are Forever? Maybe it was Diamonds Are Forever then. I remember the character of Plenty O'Toole, but I can't remember which... But either way, that was in. Natalie Wood's sister, um, that played the character, and she almost drowned on the set of that movie... Because there was a scene where she was supposed to be drowned in a pool. Then, then that is. I am confirming it is diamonds are forever. Diamonds according are forever. to Wikipedia. Okay. <laughs> um, she was what? What is the sister's name? Lana Wood. Lana. Lana. That's right. Um, she was tied to a weight that was at the bottom of the pool to hold her body below the surface of the water to look like a dead body in the water. I don't know why she well, couldn't just be floating. Terrifying. But <laughs> the the slant of the bottom of the pool caused the weight to slowly shift deeper and deeper into the pool, and she almost drowned on the set. Oh, Jesus! And then later, her sister did drown. That is horrifying. Um, but I, th- uh, I I I never knew that Natalie Wood was so old old when she not that she was old. I mean, she's but like yeah, that 40s, she was older. But yeah, yeah, like I I, assumed, I thought she died when she was young. Yeah, I thought she was like in her like late twenties. Yeah, maybe, that's early what I 30s. thought too. I mean, she I she, she looks really great, but yeah. like I didn't think. I didn't think she made it to her 40s. Well, she kind of had uh, an association of teenage death in both West Side Story and Rebel Without a Cause. That's true. So it's like, she's like in these movies I, about teenagers yeah. dying young. So maybe we conflate and, her filmography with her actual yeah. life story. And, and James Dean did die young. That's yeah. true, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. in that movie together. So uh, I think I think of that because I, I believe the same thing. I, I never realized that, that she was in her 40s. In her 40s, then? yeah. yeah. Um, she did have a daughter with that, that middle husband between the two Robert Wagners. Um, <laughs> well, it, it, just to be clear, it's one Robert yeah. Wagner. <laughs> no, it was actually a clone of Robert Wagner that she remarried. <laughs> um, but uh, her her daughter with Gregson was actually an actress and had at least one memorable role that I could that I recognized when I saw it. She played Caroline Fortis in High Fidelity, who is the... Hmm the music columnist that he's oh. flirting with that wants like to know what his top five albums are. What's her daughter's name? Um, I don't know. I think it's Natasha. Natasha Wagner. Hmm. Um, because I think that was actually Natalie Wood's birth name was Natasha. Uh, because she's the daughter of, of Russian immigrants. Um, but yeah, she was the music columnist in Gross Point Blank. Um, which was coincidentally, well, probably not coincidentally, written by her husband, uh, D.V. Davisentis. Um, Natasha Wagner's husband. Um, so we start the film in <laughs> oh, Valley we're, Village. We're, are we, are we, we're talking about this movie now? I think so. <laughs> sure. Why not? Uh, I, I think it's important to bring up one other thing. Sure. Uh, from, from the credits. Because uh, uh, there's a lot of interesting names in the credits. Yeah, no, I, I have some notes here on that too. Uh, Edith Head. Yeah. As soon as I came up, Edith Head. This is the first <laughs> Edith Head movie that we've had so far. And she did the costume design for Natalie Wood and for uh, Rhoda. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I said Rhoda too. What's, my what's the actress's name? <laughs> keep Valerie Harper. Valerie Harper, there you go. Um, but yeah, so Edith Head, that's fun. And I, I found some pictures of her on set with, uh, with Natalie Wood mm-hmm. um, during the production. But, uh, Put on the website. 
Yeah. But, um, so yeah, we start the very first shot of the movie. They're playing football in a park that we have been to many times. Many times. Um, our friends of ours live right across the street from this park they're playing football in, in Valley Village. Uh, this whole this whole movie is like a tour of L.A. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. I, I, I know these spots. So many of these at the time, because this is back when, like, Los Angeles was where you shot everything. It was either yeah. Los Angeles or New York. You didn't go on location for anything. And I always forget how old those uh, two triangular buildings in Century City are. Oh, yeah. I was like, man, those are those were there then? I always feel like those were newer, but I guess they're not. I was surprised that Matt and Amanda's place was there at the time. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, wow, that building's older than I thought. Well, and those pipes are still coming out of the ground, the sprinkler pipes. Yeah, it's like, oh. nobody's going to fix that? <laughs> Put them underground. <laughs> um. But yeah, so uh, we open on three couples playing uh, football in the park. Um, they're not playing it very aggressively. They're kind of joking around with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems to be like it's a, it's a weekly game that they do. Um, and uh, there's just typical like couples arguing with each other and flirting with each other. Um, but we move quickly to a house party where it seems like only Jeff... The George Seagal character. Yeah. Um, only Jeff is at this party. And then um, Natalie Wood went to go have lunch with with Rhoda. I'm just going to keep calling her Rhoda over the course of this. <laughs> <laughs> but at this party, basically, uh, a friend of Jeff's, Howard, is standing up and pitching divorce to everyone. Like, mm-hmm. it's like this new thing that he invented. <laughs> um, and it's just amazing. And you have so much freedom and it's wonderful. Like, and giving reasons why marriage doesn't work in the modern day. Right. Why it's archaic. Yeah. And he says that the only happy couple in the, at the whole party are Donald and Reggie. And then someone points out, but they're newlyweds. So. <laughs> that was such a great line. Yeah. Because the reveal, I mean, obviously. The joke that, was that supposed to be that the only happy gay. couple is the gay couple. But yeah. it turns out it's like, no, 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 that's not why. The reason <laughs> yeah. why is because they just got married. <laughs> But yeah, and he's he's calling marriage fascism, and Jeff is like jumping in, like offended on behalf of marriage, and mm-hmm. talking about how he actually has a happy marriage. Um, and then we cut over to Natalie Wood, who's having lunch with Valerie Harper. Um, oh, what is the character's name? Barbara. Um, and uh, she's basically doing the same thing, like trying to pitch, like, "Oh, are you still with Jeff? Oh, you mm-hmm. should get a divorce. It's great. I just got divorced." Um, so she's pitching like a combination of divorce and vaginal rejuvenation, <laughs> which is like terrifying to, to Mari, the, the, the Natalie Wood character. She's like, oh my God, why, why are we talking about this? Like in a public setting, like this is terrifying. Why, why is this happening to me? Um, and she's like, oh no, it's worked wonders for me. See? And she looks over at some guy that's like been watching her from across the restaurant and can somehow tell that she's had vaginal rejuvenation. Well, you know, you could just tell yeah. how tight someone's vagina is by looking at you them. You can tell. It's, <laughs> it's very clear. Um, but so that guy sits down across from them. He's like, hey, how's it going? And they're like, oh, we're not we're not uh, interested in a conversation. He's like, oh, don't worry. I have a friend. And she's like, well, I'm married. So it doesn't. And he's like, that's fine. <laughs> and she kind of smiles about it. So the next day we're at football again. But one of the couples is gone, the Drydens, because it turned out that they got separated, possibly after the divorce conversation at the party the night before. Um, but there's still three couples because a, another one has jumped in to fill the gap. So now we're we're being introduced to Marv and his wife. Yeah, I, I, I got really confused uh, at this point. I was like, wait, who's, who's this couple? Yeah. Where do they come from? A, a new couple is being thrown into the mix because there's just a lot of couples in this movie. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Marv is uh, uh, very uh, 
interesting character. He kind of reminds me of uh, Eugene Levy. Like yes, the way he talks. I kept thinking that repeatedly. Yeah, Elena called me. Separated. And he keeps making like weird jokes and voices and stuff like that, but he's like, oh, who's going to be the next one to get divorced? Like trying to scare everybody right. like it's a ghost story. Um, uh, but uh, Marva's played by an uh, interesting person, uh, Richard Benjamin. Oh, yeah. He's an actor in a couple of things, but he's also directed a lot yeah, of stuff. Yeah, directed a lot of stuff, like The Money Pit. Yeah, Money uh, Pit, Mermaids, Milk Money, My uh, Stepmother is an Alien. Yeah. <laughs> and also a lot of movies that presumably don't begin with M. But, but those four happen too. Um, I was just going to say Marcy X. <laughs> yeah, Marcy X. That's another M movie from him. But he did have some that didn't begin with M, but I just didn't write them down because I messed it up. Uh, but he was also uh, Major Danby in Catch-22, and he played Peter Martin in Westworld, the film Westworld. But yeah, he's he's pretty funny in this movie. Oh, I forgot to mention, too, that one of the people that was dancing at the party, there's like a guy dancing with a woman, and I was like, I recognize this mm-hmm. guy. Who is this mm-hmm. guy? And then I realized that it's uh, William Bogert, who yeah. we had in Simon as the host of the debate show where they were talking about yeah um whether or not simon was actually an alien we moved to a health spa or something where all the guys are like everybody mm-hmm. seems pretty independently wealthy and they can just kind of like wander around and do whatever they like we yeah. do have a few shots of jeff at work but it's, it's a very white person movie <laughs> yeah um he's like an architect a, who goes to like the sauna like i don't, I don't know in the i don't 80s, know a bunch of people. dudes hang out naked in a steamy room well it seems like is that if like i had a, the money i would do that every day yeah it seems like it might be like at a country club or some kind of uh like place where you have to be a member to something because they, they have the hot tub to themselves but they're also sitting in these like weird little chairs in the yeah. hot tub yeah. they're not just sitting in it yeah um and yeah like i said the sauna uh it, it reminds me a lot of like uh like the goonies where it's just like when when they're banging on the pipes and you're seeing like all the different bathrooms in the country club and all the different like <laughs> facilities that this place has yeah that's why I'm, that's the only reason it made me think it was this country. is just what architects do in their uh plethora of off time because he kind of makes his own schedule he's an architect and she's like a sculptress mm-hmm. right that's it's like is that what you would I, call that job? No. A sculpt- I, 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 sculptor? I think they're all sculptors. They're, okay. There's no female version of sculptor. You we could are all femaleize sculptors. any job, can't you? <laughs> you could just put an S on anything and it's a women's job. Congratulations. You can be a doctoress now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're, uh, they're just joking about divorce again in the hot tub. And uh, one of the guys happens to be a divorce attorney, but he's only a divorce attorney for women who he immediately then preys upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so shady. And <laughs> it's gross. a very uncomfortable conversation that's played for glorious laughter. It's like, that's um, so wonderful. I, lo- I love vulnerable women. <laughs> but then all the guys who have been divorced that are in this conversation have all remarried and they're talking about that. And uh, when they move to the sauna, one of the guys is like, He's on his like third or fourth wife, and he's like, I really think this one's gonna stick. He's like, you know what I want is I want something like a love story. And then I like the the line from Jeff where he's just like, What are you talking about? The girl in that died. <laughs> he's like, Really? <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm really looking for. <laughs> then uh, while they're all sitting there, Marv comes in and he keeps messing with the heat, and he's like, He's like, What are you doing? It's already 143 in here, and he's like, It's only 140. Don't be a liar. And then he's like, why are you doing that? I can't breathe. It's too hot in this room. And he turns it all the way up. And then he just goes, Aah! and just starts yelling for like 30 seconds. And everyone else, they're just cutting to all the reaction shots. But he's 
still yelling, he keeps <laughs> yelling, and the implication of this yell is that he just got divorced. But that for some reason he's really upset about it. It's like, why did you do it if you're so upset about it? Like, aren't, like I mean, isn't the whole Louis C.K. bit is that, like, no good marriage ever ended in divorce? They, It feels like they're... They, they keep having everybody get divorced and then, like... Be, be like, dependent on each other and get back together. Yeah, well, or like it just they. I don't know how, what how this movie feels about marriage and divorce, but it's like everybody really wants it, and then they do it, and then they regret it, and they're yeah. upset about it. But it just seems like I, I maybe maybe that's changed though. I I think divorce like trended in the eighties, <laughs> and like there was a lot of people that were just doing it because everyone's getting divorced, and that's where mm-hmm. this like. The whole premise for this movie comes from is like oh man so many people there was like a glut of divorce going on but like nowadays it's like when people get divorced it's like oh no i can't stand that person i'm not going to be around them anymore yeah. <laughs> like they don't do it because they're just like i want my freedom it's like no no no, i can't stand them goodbye um but yeah so he just screams and that's the indication that he is now officially divorced from his wife um i declare divorce <laughs> um so then we cut to them at a restaurant, Marv and Jeff, where Marv is like trying to tell him, oh, your marriage is terrible too, right? Yeah, it's, you know, we it's police strikes, it's women's live, it's condominiums. He's just like naming all these random like pop culture things that don't have anything to do with his marriage. He's like, what does that have to do with your marriage? I don't know. But he's convinced that Jeff is lying about being happy in his marriage um, because he doesn't want to have made a mistake in divorcing his wife, I guess. Um then we go to a kid's birthday party at a roller rink where we meet Walter, played by Dom DeLuise. Yeah. And I, I, why is he in this movie? Why not? Because he's wonderful and we should just put he's him so in much, every movie. He's better in this than he was in Fatso. I, I in completely agree. two or three agree. scenes of this movie, he's better than in all of Fatso. He's, such, he's just such a great character. Like, I just don't even understand. Like, he's just this jovial, wonderful man that is... You know, the and, life of the party. And he's such a great sidekick character. And him and, and Seagal are just hilarious in the scenes that they have together here. But um, so it, Walter is basically a, an old high school friend of Jeff's um, who is also divorced. Because every character that we're going to randomly bump into from moving forward is going to be recently right. divorced. Um, and uh, he says he's doing porn now um for work he's he's still working as a plumber like mm-hmm. he was back in the day but he's also doing skin flicks on the side and he said supreme court stuff i was like <laughs> oh. is that like a subgenre of porn i totally missed that whole thing because i know later we find out that he got remarried and you know but i had no idea like i did i totally missed this section where he was doing porn oh really yeah because there's a funny line from from jeff there because he says like oh supreme court stuff and he's like oh my god that's crazy i remember in high school you were like a boy scout you were like he's like oh wait a minute i had gym class with you you're gonna be a star and then (laughs) he just starts laughing a whole bit (laughs) (laughs) but he's just like cracking up like yeah yeah i got it presumably this is where he meets his uh his new wife then where, uh, no, no, because it's someone that she. I think it's the woman that he does the films with, or he's he talks about that he's already seeing this. Woman. Yeah, he 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 mentions that he's already seeing um, his girlfriend. Oh, okay. But he doesn't say much more than that, and then it comes out later on. Right. Additional information, um, but uh, but yeah. So he said the reason that he's here in the first place is because he's learning to skate for his next film, Roller Bang, um, and uh, and then. 
uh, we move to another scene where it looks like they're walking through an airport, but I think it's a mall. It's it's actually the Pacific Design Center. Oh, the the place that you were telling me about yeah, that's it's, haunted. There's yeah, nobody there. It's the weirdest place. So it's a mall. Yeah. With no people because you can only go into this place by appointment. But it's set up completely like a mall. Huge, wide alleys between the stores. Stores that are manned by a skeleton crew. But it's like a wholesale warehouse, right? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a place where you go to see like samples of carpets or drapes. If you, you, would, you would come through here with an architect or with a, a, a designer for your, who's remodeling your house for you. Right. Uh, that's the only way. And uh, I, w- I had to deliver a bunch of carpets swatches. Um, Why were you delivering carpet swatches? We worked for an HGTV <laughs> yeah. subsidiary for a long time. Uh, yeah, and, and so they wanted these things back. That's so why I had to go. And, like, it's just so creepy to walk around. And nothing was off limits. I, I stumbled into, like, like the I office. I could have stolen so much stuff. Because well, there was no one looking. Like, I, I had to, like, yell for people to help me. Um, <laughs> and I walked into, like, the whole office section, which with the lights were off. And there's, like, bullpens of computers. It's like, how did I even get in here? I just took an escalator here. <laughs> Um, but and I wasn't sure that this is where it was until the camera panned when they were in the escalator on the escalators, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, I know exactly that's where." The <laughs> that's where I got lost. Um, but yeah, this whole time they're walking to uh, this uh, Benihana style restaurant, or I guess it's just, is it just a sushi place? I, I guess we don't really see them eating; we just see they're drinking right before yeah. they eat and them drinking. But um, they're going into this restaurant, and he's still trying to talk him into getting a divorce. But he secretly has trapped him into a double date here. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's telling him on the way to the restaurant that, oh, I joined this uh, this group for like men who just got out of like long-term marriages. And uh, it's so great. And they respect you more if you show up with like a young date because they're like, oh, yeah, he's living his best life. And he's like, and if it's an Asian girl, oh, man, <laughs> then they're really impressed. And it's like, what is going on? So it feels like this is like the situation where like when people have kids, then they try to convince all their friends to also have kids because, oh, kids are the best. And they just actually <laughs> but it's like actually tr- a trap. Like, you're tricking them into having kids. So they're kids as miserable as you are. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this listener. Kids are so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> just oh, kidding oh. kids when you're old enough to listen to this, this podcast is not true. We, we love, love you, you. <laughs> um, but uh but he gets into this restaurant and then immediately uh two asian women walk up and he's just like oh this is my girlfriend and that's your girlfriend let's go to our table and he's like um hold on a second <laughs> he's, he's he's not uh, this not is ready the to second commit diner to scene in this film in which friends are trying to set people up with yeah or third because like right after uh Mar- Marv got uh, divorced. He immediately took him to a restaurant to complain about Jeff's marriage. Um, but yeah, so as he's leaving the restaurant, because we don't see much of them at the restaurant, other than like they introduce themselves and say, oh, she's a doctor and she's like studying physics at mm-hmm. some local college or whatever. And uh, she's like, oh, uh, thermodynamics. And he's like, thermodynamics. <laughs> like he screws up what she said. Um, and then. Uh, as as he's leaving the restaurant uh barbara pulls up in like a convertible and she's like oh hi jeff and i can't i can't tell what the point of the scene is other than it's like did 
did she catch him cheating yeah. on his wife? That's exa- yeah. That's exactly the point of that scene. But that's not is. what happened, and he could very easily explain what happened. So it's not like he had actually cheated on his wife. No, no but, but it's also but Barbara also doesn't like use it against him. I think she, you know, she. It's just implying that she sort of has like leverage. If it she it just, it. I, I felt like she should have at least hinted at that leverage later on if that was the point of her seeing him. There. Well, yeah. I think it was more of a signal to her that oh, he's open. Oh, maybe. Oh, maybe. He, he, that he, makes he, sense. He's open for business. That makes more sense then. Um, but he gets home and the kids are like, oh, mom's next door. She wants you to come over. And it turns out their neighbors are getting divorced. Um, this is another of the couples that had been playing football at the park with them. Yeah. Um, and, and then you enter the super awkward scene They with just them have on a really couch. mean They're fight arguing. against each other. And uh, I did like the one point where he like goes to pour someone a drink and she's like, you didn't ask me if I wanted any. And then he goes to pour her a drink and she's like, I don't want any. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, just trying to piss each other off for no reason. Um, but it's just, it, there's not really much more to this scene other than like, oh, these two people are bitter and hate each other, even though they've been super lovey-dovey the whole time. Right. They um, were like making out in the back of the car in yeah. one scene. So now we go to the next uh, the next day of football and it's just Jeff and Mari playing by themselves. Yeah. Because... And then, the, then the music comes up and I was like, is the movie over? Yeah. <laughs> are, are they well the last been. married couple in America? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. We did it. We did it. We got there in 30 minutes. Um but yeah, the uh, it's kind of funny because you would think that they would play the scene like, man, this is really awkward and hard to play football with just two of us. But no, they're just having exactly as much fun, maybe even more fun than they did when everyone else was yeah. there. And it's like, I think the point of the scene is really to hammer home that it's like, no, 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 these two people belong together. They get along fine and they don't right. need anybody. Yeah, they really enjoy each other. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> they play their solo football game. I don't know why you even commit to going to the park to do it, <laughs> but, um, but they did. Um, and then it's Jeff's birthday, so Mari takes him out for his big birthday dinner, and she's got him blindfolded as they're approaching the restaurant, and he's expecting some fancy place, and they pull up to Tommy's. Another another place that I've been. Yeah. Like, Tommy's is pretty close to downtown. Yeah, this is actually the, the first uh, Tommy's drive-in in Los Angeles, and it had very recently opened, I think. Um, he thinks she's joking at first because it's just burgers and hot dogs, but she's not, and they get food. Um, but then he, she does surprise him when they get back to the car that, uh, <laughs> there's like a champagne bottle and two flu- champagne flutes under a blanket. Oh, oh, that surprise. I thought oh, you meant the surprise well, was going to come I'm doing the, I'm doing the surprises in order, <laughs> but that was the first surprise. And then she's like, oh, and did I mention that I'm not wearing anything under this coat? And he's like, yes, you are. And she's like, huh? And it's like, oh, no, you're not. Um, and then they leave to go have car sex. Um. Until they're interrupted. Until they are interrupted by a police officer doing the rounds. <laughs> who, was total, who was totally cool with this. He's like, oh, I thought you were teenagers. It was a woman. It was a woman, the, was a woman cop. Oh, yeah. But, but, she, but she was still good with it. That's but, what it yeah. Like. But they're in like, it looks like maybe like Pacific Palisades or like some really rich yeah, like coastal they neighborhood. like they're in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, Mulholland. Yeah, yeah, like Mulholland. But either way, it's like a rich neighborhood and the whole point is like, go do this in Van Nuys. Like... <laughs> the people here call the police if they hear a Not cat. Not to offend the good people of right, Van Nuys. Right. Yeah. But then we cut to like this couple sitting there at the gates watching them. And then they start arguing. And she's like, you know what they were doing like, in there? And he's like, yeah, I have an idea. Yeah. And then she was just like, yeah, but we never do anything spontaneous. You'd be sir. freezing your ass off out there. <laughs> so what? We have a perfectly good house right there. <laughs> and we have a perfectly good yard apparently here to watch other people do it. Yeah. They just come out to the fence and wait for car sex to happen so yeah. they can call the police. Um, but yeah, so the next day, uh, as Jeff gets into the office, Barbara is there sitting in, in his chair at his desk. 
and is suddenly very forcefully putting herself on him as a romantic partner. She's like, I'm going to just fuck this guy, even though he's very clearly married and happy with his wife. Well, And, and pushing her off and saying no. Like, yeah. it's very rapey on her part. Yeah, he's, he's being very forceful in his rejection of her advances. Um, but she still, before leaving, pushes him up against a, a desk and kisses him hard. Um, and then he leaves to go tell his wife what happened, basically. And as he's walking out of the office, the secretary's making fun of him. Like, oh, where are you going? Oh, are you going for a lunch? Where should I say you are? And well, he's like, no, 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 I'm just going home for him. lunch. And she's like, oh, a matinee. And he's like, no, I'm going home. Just, like, Get your mind out of the gutter. And she's like, okay, well, wipe the lipstick off of your face. Yeah. Um, but he goes home to see his wife. Um, and apparently have a matinee. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I guess yeah. he changed his mind. But, uh, but yeah, so he, when he gets home, though, she's like sobbing um in the kitchen because she just heard about another divorce uh, because donald and reggie broke up oh, and not uh, donald and not, reggie <laughs> they were the they ones were that were so supposed happy. to make it um but yeah so they uh he, he i think it, at this point it would it's too dark for him to dump on her that he was just like sexually assaulted by her best friend so he, instead it's just like trying to cheer her up and they start telling each other what they like about each other to try and just like brighten the mood a little bit. And they say some really like sweet, like kind things about each other that it's actually pretty good writing, I thought. Is there much more to that scene? Well, other than that, they have sex. That's about it. Sure, yeah. But I, I never get the impression from this movie that they're having any trouble in that department. Like, is it is uh, it indicated that they're not having sex as much as they would like? Because they, he never complains so. about it. No, and they have, what, three kids? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Or at, at least one. I don't know how many of them were actually their kids. There were There's three kids hanging around in every scene, but they yeah. could be his kids' friends or something. But yeah, so uh, he goes out to have lunch with Marv again, uh, who just keeps dragging him to lunch and telling him that marriage is terrible. But this time, he's t- telling him that divorce sucks. Um, and that even though there's women all over the place... Um, that he's never had so many uh, people hit on him in his entire life, but he can't get it up anymore. Um, which Jeff is trying to tell him that it's psychological and that he's going to get over it and that it's fine. And he's like, are you trying to tell me divorce is easy? Like freaks out on him. Um, and for no reason, Jeff brings up that he's like, well, you know what I'm always worried about is is a weak stream when I go to take a piss. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, seems like I don't even weird. know what the point of this conversation is. He's yeah. just like, I mean, like, other than to say, like, oh, well, anyway, divorce aside, I'm worried about getting old. And it's mm-hmm. like, why Why are we talking about this all of a sudden? This, this hasn't been a part of the movie at all that anyone's talking about age. It's been entirely about marriage and divorce. But now suddenly Marv gets freaked out that he has a weak stream and that he's an old man. And that's why he can't get it up. I mean, is this a thing? Do, do guys care about the velocity of their urine? Look, everything <laughs> I know about urine velocity I learned from pipe robots in medicine commercials. <laughs> <laughs> and uh as far as i know turns out i didn't have a going problem i had a growing problem <laughs> <laughs> but so marv drags him into the bathroom to watch his pee stream and tell him if if it's <laughs> thick enough if it's <laughs> it's not like a gravy thickness width that would be bad. I think you're really if anybody's, if any part. of our listeners are pee and gravy, contact <laughs> an exorcist. Velocity, not viscosity. Or you might be peeing wrong. <laughs> you might be shaking it too much when you pee. 
dab. But anyway, um, again, on his way out of a restaurant, I'm not clear if this is the same one, but uh, Barbara catches him walking out of the restaurant and says, oh, hey, uh, we're going to have sex now. And he says, no, no, no. Remember I said before, I didn't want to do that. So we won't do that. And she's like, oh, we're going to do it. So let's go to a hotel. And then we just cut to the outside of a hotel where they've already had sex. And it just felt like this character wouldn't have done that. Yeah, it's super out of character. It really kind of bothered me. Yeah. And not just like, not just disappointed in the character, like because he's been such a fun, like good person the whole time, Mm -hmm. but also just it felt way out of the realm of what he would do, especially like earlier the day, all the nice things he said about his wife. Well, to be fair, he calls that out after the fact. Like he's just like, hey, I just did something I didn't want to do. Right. Well, and he, but uh, there was also talk of a previous incident that he had done. Right. It was like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And apparently they had both dabbled. So they there was mutual cheating in the past, but that they had forgiven each other for it. Mm-hmm. But um but he uh so he goes through with it and he sleeps with this woman and as they're leaving she's like You didn't enjoy that, did you? And he's like, No, I did, I did and she's like, No, you didn't and he's like, Yeah, you're right, I didn't, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm not sorry, I just I don't understand why why you feel so bad and he was just like, Well, because I didn't have to do that and I didn't want to do that. And I don't even know why I did it other than just because the norms of the time. Peer pressure. Yeah, it was basically (laughs) like he just blamed societal norms, which I don't think is totally out of line for the 80s. That it's like, if a girl's throwing herself at you, you're supposed to sleep with her. Like, that's like, if you don't do that, then there's something wrong with you. Like, that's the way that that popular culture made it sound at the time. He said he also didn't, like, he, he didn't know how to deal with an aggressive woman. And, like, he would have been emasculated by not... You know, taking control of the situation. Right, right. And yeah, so it's just like... But he also said that those times are changing, which I think is like, it's prescient of this film to realize that it's like, this is the tail end of that kind of a world where yeah. you're just expected to have sex with anyone who asks you if you're a guy. Um, but then uh, then we talk to Walter a little bit more at the office, and Walter says that he's going to be having a party and that a lot of people are coming, and that they're basically all hookers. <laughs> and I forget if I mentioned it, but my girlfriend is also a hooker. And he says this in the middle of the office, so like all of his like all of Jeff's coworkers are like, "What is that? Why? Why? What about a bunch of hookers?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, there's there's swingers and and I, they kind of mix the word hooker and swinger up a lot in this conversation." I, I don't think they, I don't think they are mixing it up. I think that the, the, the they're saying both are true. Like, well, maybe, but it didn't. It, I mean, hookers are cost money. And most of the people at this party just seem to be swingers. Maybe I don't. I don't know if I'd say most. I I think there was an eclectic variety yeah, of people sure. at the at That's the true. thing. I just like the fact that he, you know, he said uh, like, "Oh, we didn't realize till after we were married that we have the same birthday." <laughs> That's why they're having this party because it's their dual birthday party. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he also like I like when he says like, "Oh yeah, we have swingers everywhere. Where we have them like." San Diego, uh, some are coming from Anaheim. And he's like, Disneyland? They have swingers at Disneyland? And he's like, well, not Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck, but in the area. <laughs> Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. And then he laughs at his own joke. And then I laughed at him laughing at his own joke. And then uh, we move on from that scene to Jeff at the doctor telling him that he got gonorrhea from Barbara. Yeah. Um, it's funny, too, because there's there's no, like, doctor patient confidentiality no, involved. He's that was just really, like, that was yeah, so I have gonorrhea. Disturbing. And the doctor's like, 
who did you get it from? And he's like, Barbara. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got a bunch of Barbara's people in here lately. And and and, and then he's like, who? And then I think the doctor basically... Oh, just blatantly tells him, like, other people that she's... No, he, he basically admits with his silence that it was that him. Like, he got gone Oh, from really? Her. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think that's what they were implying when he doesn't really answer. And he's kind of, like, looks down sheepishly. Yeah. But then he, then he convinces him to get Mari in here to get tested under false pretenses. Yeah, he's yeah. like, no, 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 I can't, I can't tell her that happened. And he's like, tell her you have the flu. Tell her it's strep throat and cough a lot and he's so, like no i can't lie to her that would be terrible and it's like do you want your marriage to end and he's like no i don't want my marriage to end and it's like cough a lot is this just what doctors were like before hipaa existed they're still like this remember that time i was coughing a lot <gasps> <laughs> but so uh so he goes home and he's coughing a lot because he's decided to lean into the doctor's excuse and mari's like oh well i already have my flu shot so no need for that and he's like oh no no this is this is some rare Vietnamese flu. Mm-hmm. It's like, where did you get a Vietnamese flu? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's going around now. They, you got to get a different shot for it. So come on. And so they, he takes her back to the doctor. And when he's there, Barbara's in the waiting room. And yeah, uh, get, also obviously there the, for getting for her the Vietnamese Vietnamese flu. But she accuses him. And so I thought that this was going to be like, like a double bluff in that he actually got it from Mari. Who cheated, who cheated on, him. on him? Oh, interesting. Yeah. And that would have been that would have been interesting. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't because no. <laughs> she didn't like, even no, know that she was giving. Barbara's just delusional yeah. about yeah. the number of men she's been sleeping. But she's with. also not at all upset with the doctor when he's like, "I have gonorrhea," and she's like, uh, "She's like, yeah, you gave it to me," and he's like, "No, I got it from you. The doctor told me that you gave it to me, like specifically you." <laughs> at that point, she's like, "Oh my god, if it was me, I caused an epidemic." Yeah, and she's starting to realize, like, "Oh yeah, that." There are other consequences to uh, just having sex with whoever I feel like at any random time. Um, but they're having this conversation. And meanwhile, Jeff has been sitting on Mari's jacket, which she left on the couch in the waiting room. And so when she comes back to get it, she overhears him saying, mm-hmm. no, it was only you. So I could only have gotten the gonorrhea from you. And then she obviously flips out and leaves. Um, I hope she goes back and gets that taken care of, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and so he follows her to the elevator to leave, but it's an express elevator, so they have to stay in it together the whole time. I have to stay here. It's an express. <laughs> uh, but this is where they are in Century City. They're they're walking down like the the center aisle right. between those two triangular buildings. Yeah, and I, I did like the conversation they have here because they're bringing up the cheating that they did in the past, and uh, and. He says something like, "Yeah, no, you know, we got, we got it out of our system. The doctor says I'm cured. Like, I'm sorry that this happened." And she's and he's like, "Well, besides, you cheated with someone, you know. I didn't." And she's like, "Yeah, but you forgave me for that." And he's like, "I know, but I have to use something." <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I I really enjoy the dialogue in this movie. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's 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 moments like that just keep happening, and like, it feels over very and over. real. It feels like something you would say in a real relationship. Yeah. Like, no, 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 you're right. I did forgive you, but I, what am I supposed to do? Just like lose this argument? Right. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't feel contrived at all. It's just like, ah, you're right, and I know you're right, and we have this great relationship, and I screwed it up. And he does that a couple times too, where like they have that argument in their like sunroom area where he says something to her, and she's like, "That's not true. Why would you say that in front of the kids or something?" And he's like, "Was I really hogging the conversation? Was I really not being assertive?" Hey, you know something. Everybody's breaking up, and I don't understand why. Like the, the at the same time as they're angry, they're also both very self-conscious and offended by what they've heard, and then they're just like immediately just fall back in love with each other most of the time. Um, but here, that doesn't happen. We cut to 
Jeff just playing football by himself now. No, that doesn't happen. But that would have been interesting. Just him in the park <laughs> throwing like, the why ball did in the you air, but still go? smiling and laughing like, oh, this is great. Um, if this were more of a zany comedy, he tried to get, convince some kids to play football with him and they'd be all, get away from us, Kareem. Yeah. <laughs> get away, old man. But yeah, so Howard, the guy who is the divorce attorney for women, gives uh, shows up as a house call for Mari. And it's like, oh, I heard about what happened instantly through the grapevine. And uh, I'm here to tell you that uh, you're very attractive still and you don't need to worry about uh, finding someone new and just undressing while he's talking to her, which is the exact lines that he that he mentioned at the at the spa. Right. Um, oh, that he used on the divorce, divorce women. women. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's not having it and tells him to get out. Um, yeah, but he is just, he cannot he's, he's take it. He's basically doing the same thing that Barbara was doing in the office, which is just like, no means nothing. I'm yeah, going to keep. super aggressive. No is short for nothing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we cut to Jeff actually at the park, but this time with Marv. Uh, and they're just, uh, they're playing football with some of the other couples some, that had divorced. But, no, they also have some other girls there. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and New girls. Everybody with their younger girlfriends. Yeah, yeah, because he complains at this point, you know, like, or after this, that, that he's just like, you know, this girl can't even play football, you yeah. know? Like, she's not as good as Mari. Right. And then, uh, not that anyone showed any prowess <laughs> in any of the previous football games, but um, for no reason, because there's no tennis courts anywhere near this park, I know for a fact, um, <laughs> Mari and her new boyfriend walk by wearing full tennis outfits carrying tennis rackets um maybe at the time there was yeah, i was gonna say it's 1980 court. you were never at that park no I, i'm pretty sure i checked it out <laughs> i mean i was born about three years later i wouldn't notice the remnants <laughs> um but uh but yeah so she's there with a much younger man um probably in his like late 20s and uh and jeff is immediately furious because she's supposed to be at home crying that he cheated on her not like out like uh, already already recovering from their breakup and uh, he gets so mad and he, he goes up to her and starts arguing with the two of them um, but then they basically she, she throws it in his face like he's like I feel like you're being vindictive and she's like good I am being vindictive like this what, this is hostile I'm do, I feel hostile right now um, and then she leaves with her, her boyfriend and Marv is like why don't you just go get a young girlfriend I don't know why this is even a problem um and then he remembers that he told Walter that they could use the house for his the birthday party. Right. But that now he's separated with his wife. He doesn't have, like... The house. The house isn't his anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he tries to tell Walter that he's got to shut it down and cancel the whole thing. But for some reason, the party is still allowed to happen um, because Mari doesn't care and is, like, willing to host all these swingers at the house. Um, so basically, Mari and her boyfriend are at the house for the party, and Jeff brings... a like an 18 year old girl mm-hmm. um why do you keep asking me what my age is <laughs> he's like you, you look old for your age i mean you don't look old you look you look can we stop talking about it <laughs> um but and then yeah. we get a 10 minute dance number yeah <laughs> just a lot of dancing at this party walter and his girlfriend are dancing a lot yes uh this is more like the girlfriend that would be cast uh, in Fatso, if it were directed by a man. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Someone who's way out of his league. So yeah, we're just a lot of people dancing at this party. Um, the couple from San Diego that we were hearing so much about before shows up. Um, Lainey and I forget the husband's name. Um, and they're very forward and uh, 
the husband is basically following Mari around the party, um, and she seems to be reacting to him. Well, the husband is very forward. The wife is kind of just sitting back. Yeah, she's silent, kind of. But she doesn't seem uncooperative yet. Um, Spoiler alert. And the the husband and Mari move into their bedroom where Jeff is like just watching them through the window. Right. I'm just going to watch these two people have sex in my bed. Um, And then while they're talking, the guy just gets up, opens the door, and goes back to the bed to continue talking to Mari. Like, he wasn't even thinking about the guy outside, but he just opens the door and just is like, no, come on and sit down. Um, because he's expecting that the four of them are going to get in this bed. Not just him and, and Jeff's wife. And um, and for, the first thing he does is convince his wife to stand in the middle of the room and undress for them. This The woman uh, playing his wife, Lainey, is actually um, Sandra Curry or Curie. I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name. But her sister is in The Runaways and will show mm. up later this year in Foxes. Um and she strips completely naked for them, and uh, Jeff and Mari are freaked out about it. Well, they're not so much freaked out as they are, to me, is as they are just kind of somewhat embarrassed about the situation. Yeah, it just yeah, feels un- very they're awkward. They're uncomfortable. Yeah, they're both not trying to make eye contact. But, but they're being awkward enough that it's making Lainey uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And she gets to the point where after she's stripped completely naked, she's like, okay, this is stupid, and starts to put her clothes back on, and is like... They're, they're not into it. I'm not into it. You're the only person here that thinks this is going to happen. Like, I'm done with the orgies. I'm done with the swinging. Like, we're going to have a normal marriage or we're not going to have a marriage. And she just gets up and walks out. Um, and the guy's like, the guy's freaking out and trying to make excuses to keep mm-hmm. her in the room. But she doesn't do it. Um, and then as, as we're leaving the party, we see that Lainey is sitting on the couch with the divorce attorney. I, I like that as the as the husband leaves, he turns back to Mari and is like, "You ruined you, my marriage." Right? <laughs> like, yeah, like it's their fault. Definitely her fault. Yes. Just sitting there watching you awkwardly force your wife to undress in front of a strange couple. Yeah. Well, and then, and Jeff and Mari then just kind of silently forgive each other. They right. they embrace and and it's, it's pretty late like, in the party, so they're kind of like, "Okay, we can kick everybody out now." And, and, and I thought that this was going to go south. Like he's like okay everyone needs to go. About it. I was like yeah. oh boo. No, I was like oh they're yeah, very yeah, cooperative. It's, it's, it's time to go. Time to time to leave. This isn't our home. Yeah. Um. So everybody leaves. Lainey ends up leaving with the divorce attorney. Um. Apparently the kids were upstairs for the whole orgy. Yes, that's super <laughs> awkward. Right after the party, they go up and they're like, "Oh, here are our kids." It's like, what? You had a bunch of porn stars and swingers downstairs, and you just had your kids hang out upstairs while the party was going on. I'm God, scared I about the recording 80s. this podcast while our kids are asleep. <laughs> I'm not going to have sex with strangers in here. Um, and then the whole family goes to Tommy's under the credits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they immediately cut from the bedroom. Like they, they woke the kids up and like, get in the car. We're going to Tommy's Burgers right now. I, I mean, I like the moral of this movie. It's like, well, you know, our marriage isn't perfect, but everyone else is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but by the end of the movie, I think other couples are probably getting back together. Yeah. Uh. I, I couldn't care less if yeah, they do. That's true. All I care about is Jeff and Murray in this yeah. in this movie. So they're the only two likable people in the cast. No. Dom DeLuise is pretty darn likable. That's likeable. true. He's great. <laughs> Him and his girlfriend seem really cute at the party too. Yeah, and and it's such a stark contrast from. Uh, uh, I keep wanting to call his character George, but the actor is George, George Siegel. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, such so such a stark contrast from his character in like Look Who's Talking. Sure. He's just this, yeah. like this horrible. He's basically guy. Howard in in Luke is talking. He's, he's yeah, he's exactly. a divorce attorney type character, but um, 
the director here, obviously, Gilbert Cates, uh, didn't direct a lot, but he also directed Oh God, Book 2, which we'll be discussing later this year. Mm-hmm. It's not a good sign when you have two movies come out in the same year, but um, we'll see. Maybe that one's better than I remember it. Um, the writer, John Herman Shaner, this was his last screenplay. Um, he'd also written the 77 version of The Island of Dr. Moreau. Which is, um, which is very bizarre. It's not It's uh, not the um, Marlon Brando one, though, right? No, no, no. This is the Michael York. Yeah. Uh, he he also wrote Going South, which is a movie my dad loves. I have yet to watch it with him. Uh, he keeps trying to get me to watch it. And that's um, uh, Jack Nicholson. And I think, actually, I want to say it's Shelley Duvall is also in that. Oh, really? It's a Shining reunion? Hold on. No, sorry. It's Mary Steenburgen. Oh, okay. But I also got really excited that... Uh, uh, John Herman Shaner also wrote an episode of Rat Patrol. What is Rat Patrol? <laughs> it's this really weird uh, World War II uh, series with rats. No, um, it's a uh, it's about uh, like a. Sorry, I'm trying to bring it up, but it's like not coming up here. While you're looking that up, I want to mention that he also has several acting credits, including Doctor Phobius Farb in the 1960 version of Little Shop of Horrors which is the Roger Corman one. Um, and uh, he also played a cop in the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Rap, Rap Patrol was a World War II. It uh, took place in North Africa about just a patrol, like in Jeeps out in the desert. Yeah. Uh, and I always just remember the show just because I I watched a hell of a lot of TV growing up. Yeah. Um, I, I was often just kind of like left with the TV. Yeah. It's not a parenting thing. My my parents wanted me to go outside and go play. I was like, nah. It's like Frank Cross type situation. Yeah, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to stay home and watch TV instead because this is more interesting. So I watched a lot of crazy shows that were that were just run during the day because they weren't popular anymore. So like yeah. Doc Tari, Rat Patrol. Uh, you might as well be speaking another language to me right now. <laughs> Doc Tari is so great. That's the one where the doctor would work on video games that were broken. <laughs> right? Um, Doc Tari was like, the Swiss Family Robinson meets Flipper, where it's just like a family living out in the in the, in the savanna, and they have all these. Lo- that actually sounds familiar. Actually. And they have like lions and monkeys that interact with the kids and stuff like that. Is it supposed to be Doctor and Safari mixed together? Uh, I, I want to say it was their last name, but that's that actually makes more sense. <laughs> and they solved crimes, like oh poachers. They it's like solved crimes. Um, but uh, yeah, so like I always remember like like Rat Patrol is another like rerun show that I used to watch. <laughs> So I, uh, I I was digging through the cast a little bit, or the crew a little bit. I, I noticed that the uh, assistant editor, I think it was Marion Seagal. Oh, really? So she so she was married to him when this movie oh, interesting. Uh, came out. So they, then they had gotten married when they were like, you know, 20, 22 or something like sure. that. And uh and you know this is well after that, so they had been married a very long time. But she was so an assistant she must editor have been, on the film. Yeah, she must have been an editor on the film. Uh, along the same lines, the director's wife at the time, not his wife now because he divorced and remarried, uh, but his wife at the time sculpted all the sculptures that you see Mari working on, because it said sculptures by something Cates, and I looked it up and it was his ah. wife's name. Um, I want to say June or Jane Cates, something like that. Um, but yeah, George Seagal as Jeff Thompson, obviously. For some reason, the first thing for me is always going to be Just Shoot Me. Yeah, yeah Even yeah. though he's in so yeah. many great things. Yeah, yeah. I love him in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Do you um, remember that uh, Where's Papa movie? Oh my gosh, yeah, with Maude. Yeah, yeah. 
That we did a double feature of that in Harold and Maude at the New Beverly. Yeah, I was trying to remember what it was paired with, but I couldn't. I couldn't find it. Yeah, was it, it wasn't Harold. I'm pretty and sure it was Harold and Maude in that. Yeah. And oh, that's so, so good. The last shot of that movie is so confusing, where he just like resigns himself to like play the memory of his father for his mom. Yeah, it's such a strange movie. I'm here, Mama. Um, he also did the voice of Doctor Benton C. Quest on the '96 version of Johnny Quest. Yeah, he and uh, John Delancey both—I can't remember who which one of them was first. Oh, I can uh, see that their voices are similar. Uh, but yeah, they 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 either traded off or one was eventually replaced. And like you mentioned before, he was Mikey's dad, and look who's talking. Yeah, he's like this terrible his, guy. His, his biological, his dad. biological father. Yeah, An important distinction. John Travolta is the obvious adoptive father in that situation, yeah. um, and. Uh, He's also in hundreds of episodes of The Goldbergs, which I haven't really watched much of, but I'm right. sure he's great. There's hundreds of episodes? There's hundreds of the ep- wow. that show. It's been on for a while now. I did not realize. It's even got spinoffs, I think. Huh. Um, Natalie Wood is Mari Thompson. Um, she shows up later this year in Willie and Phil as herself, so it's not considered a role in a movie because she's just it's a cameo as herself. Huh. Um, she was a child actress in the 1947 version of Miracle on 34th Street. I, I looked that up. I didn't realize that was her. Yeah. yeah that, that's like... Her. That was her first huge thing. Um, was it her first thing or her first huge thing? She had acted a little bit okay. before that, but that yeah. was like her, I, maybe her first feature. Because um, I want to say... Uh, was it Auntie Mame? No, The Ghost of Mrs. Muir. That's what it was. Oh, that's right. Uh, she was she was the, the young version of Mrs. Muir? Yes. Yeah. But uh, she was obviously also in Rubble Without a Cause, West Side Story. She was the the girl that was kidnapped in The Searchers. John Ford's The Searchers. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I always, and I always try to pitch this movie as much as possible, Inside Daisy Clover. Oh, yes. It is a terrific look at a darker Hollywood's version of A Star is Born. Like, just about using her as a means, as a product to sell. Yeah. Including getting her married so they could have a actor wedding and have the press talk about it and just to sell movie tickets yeah all the Um, gross stuff that probably still happens to this yeah it's just it's it's a really gross and upsetting movie about becoming famous in hollywood and she is glorious in it yeah um valerie harper we said before obviously rhoda um on uh mary tyler moore show and on her spinoff rhoda and she also passed away in august of last year Um, so fairly recently um, Dom DeLuise as Walter Holmes. Obviously, we had him in Fatso early, earlier this year, and I think he's the first like major actor to have a repeat role so far Yeah. in our viewing. Um, Priscilla Barnes played Helena Dryden um, of the Drydens, of the Dryden Drydens. Um, that was one of the couples, I think one of the lovey-dovey couple. Um, she played Terry Alden in 70 episodes of Three's Company. Yeah. Um, and she was also Della Churchill in uh, License to Kill, which was Felix Leiter's fiance. Oh. Yeah. Um, who was murdered on their wedding day. Oh. Um, that's, uh, is that the first Timothy Dalton one? Second. Second Timothy yeah, Dalton uh, one? Living Daylights is the first one. Oh, I always mix them up. Yeah, License to Kill is one where he goes rogue, and it's got a couple of weirder, zanier things that happen. Is that the one where they go down the hill on the violin or the cello or whatever? That's, that's Living Daylights. Okay. Living Daylights has some great action set pieces. Yeah. Uh, they both Kill, do. Honestly, Timothy uh, Dalton's an underrated James Bond. Yeah. License to Kill's got some good ones, including the most horrific death for Benicio Del Toro, where he's ground up in a giant meat grinder slowly. What about the guy that exploded in the in the like vacuum tube? 
Oh yeah, that's License to Kill too. Yeah, yeah, that's, and that was Anthony Zerby. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, we need to rewatch the entire Bond series again sometime. Again. <laughs> um, Oliver Clark was Max Dryden, Helena's husband, and he played the reverse psychologist in Mystery Men. Do you remember that character? Psychologist in Mystery I don't Man. know who that character is. Was this one of the... I'm guessing he's someone that came to audition. Yeah, for one Mystery of the auditions. Man. Like, it just runs through so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we mentioned uh, Sandra Curry before as Lainey, whose sister uh, Cherry Curry is in The Runaways and shows up later this year in Foxes. She also played uh, Zach Galifianakis's mom in the Hangover series opposite mm-hmm. Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> Jess, what do you think? Is this a watch or... Um... You know, I really enjoyed it, but I don't think that it's necessary to watch. Okay. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of agree. I I, I did I did enjoy it, and uh, like and I, I and I laughed and I thought and I think it's a good story, but uh, and it, and it's gonna probably end up being high on my list uh, later for the on year. down the road uh, for now. But uh, yeah, I, I think you can you can skip it as much as I love Natalie Wood. Yeah, I I tend to side with you guys on this. Um, it it's a funny movie, and the dialogue is is worth checking out. If you're an a special fan of any of this cast, then maybe check it out. But it's it's not something that I would say you have to see if you're yeah. trying to work your way through the decade. Um, what about Letterbox? Where does this go for you? Uh, so I, I really liked it. Uh, I, I put it pretty high on my list so far for the year. Uh, I put it above Hero, Hero at Large, uh, but just below The Fog. Okay. Uh, also the same, <laughs> except I have American Gigolo in between The Fog and Hero at Large. But, uh, so I actually put this below American Gigolo, but above Hero at Large. Okay. Um, for me... Uh, this movie is going, um, I'm putting it in third place after my brilliant career, but uh, just above Simon. Uh, so I think that's where that so one you, my me. brilliant career, The Fog, this? The Fog, my brilliant career, oh, this. Got it. Sorry. I'm, that, sorry, that's mine. Mine is The Brilliant Career, Fog. Right. I'm the only person with The Fog on top at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Mm. Um, I guess technically I will always Ever. have a fog above those <laughs> those two. Um, I think that's everything for this one. Uh, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd, where, as we've explained many, many times, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you find the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. And if you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through patreon.com at patreon.com slash vintage video podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you will join us next time for Midnight Madness, which Wikipedia describes as the city of Los Angeles is the game board as five teams of college students attempt to win the Great All-Nighter, a dusk-to-dawn competition dreamed up by an eccentric graduate student. David Naughton and Stephen First are paired with a grab-bag group of fellow students, including Michael J. Fox in his first feature film appearance. We leave you now with the audio for the trailer for Midnight Madness. Midnight Madness, the ultimate game that requires sophisticated strategy. (laughs) And rigorous self-control. Midnight Madness, it's about... It's about girls. I thought you'd never ask. It's contagious. It's Midnight Madness. 
catch it at a theater near you.